Hello and welcome to the Coon Hunting University Podcast. This is your host, Tyler Duncan. And like always, class is in session. So before we get started today, I'd like to say something. For those of you who do not know, I work offshore in the Gulf of Mexico on an oil platform. I work offshore with and have many friends that live in South Louisiana in the areas that were devastated by Hurricane Ida. And I'd like to send my thoughts and prayers to all those people that have been affected. And I would encourage you to do the same because they're going to need it. They will rebuild, but it will take some time. With that being said, we'll move along to part two of Mr. Tom Hopkins' interview. Hey, y'all. So today we're going into the second part of Mr. Tom Hopkins' interview. We're going to be going deeper into promoting Lipper as a stud dog and also talking about two other hounds that were off of Lipper, which were Hopkins Cash and Adios Lightning. So I'm going to play a little clip of where we left off from the previous one, and then we'll just pick up right there with it. That way we have a little bit to roll into. So y'all sit back and enjoy. You were talking about lawyer. You said he was a loud tree dog. Was he a ball mouth tree dog or a chop mouth? Yeah, I guess you'd have to call it a ball. It was a constant roar. He never closed his mouth, and it, the sound never quit coming out. I don't see how he could breathe and do that at the same time. He like scared Timothy Ball to death one night when I drew out with Timothy up at a hunt in Oklahoma, and they were treating a switch cane thicket, and uh, we broke through into the to the tree, and Lawyer had that head back just screaming, and Timothy fell backwards and said, that dog's trying to bite me. And I said, no. That's just the way he trees, Dale. He was awesome. It's hard to describe what he sounded like. It was just a constant roar. After lawyer, I got a call from a guy, Larry Baggett, from Georgia. He had come down and bred a female to Lipper, Baggett's Dixie. She was pretty well known back in their part of the country. Larry called me one day. He was a great guy. He was in real poor health. He had stomach cancer, and, you know, he really didn't have a lot of time left, but... He called me and he said, Tom, he said, I got a dog out of Lipper and Dixie here that, that's unreal. He said, and he said, I'm not able to hunt him. He said, if I partnered him with you, would you take and try to finish him out? I said, well, I'll look at him. So Larry, he drove all the way from Georgia and it was cold. It was cold and raining when he got to my house and he pulled up in the yard with a one ton flatbed truck. Old lightning was tied on the back of that truck. And I guess he rode all the way from Georgia, trained up on the back of that truck. And I looked at him, and he was black-headed dog, kind of lanky. You know, he wasn't a pretty dog. And I thought to myself, I said, man, that guy's drove all the way from Georgia for that dog. And I said, I don't know. But anyway, we went hunting, and it was raining pretty good. Man, old lightning treed three coons. I mean, just one right after another in a pouring rain. And we looked at him. And I said, buddy, where do I sign? Because I really didn't have anything to hunt at that point right then. I took old Lightning, and uh, he was an awesome hound. The biggest fault he had to me was that when you cut him loose, he was going to hunt in a straight line. Whichever way you pointed him, he was going that way as hard as he could go till he struck a coon, but he was going to tree it. He treed lots of coon, granted him out pretty quick, Took him over to the ACHA Little World Hunt. I can't remember where it was. And, and Larry Baggett, he, he met me there. We hunted Little World Hunt, and I can't remember what his final score was, but the first night, he ran up 1,150 points. 
He won that hunt by a landslide for the world hunt. Old Larry just cried. It, it was a touching moment. He was so proud of that dog. And Anyway, I brought him back home. And a little while later, Larry called me and he said, You know, he said, I don't know how many more times I'm going to get to go coon hunting, but I sure would like to be able to hunt with that dog. He said, Would you sell me your half back? I said, Yeah, Larry, I would. So uh, I sold him my half of Adios Lightning back for $3,000. He went on to win the national championship, several other hunts. A son out of Lightning, Adios Eagle, won the national championship two years in a row after Lightning won it. I don't know what all they put him in, but he won a lot of stuff. In fact, I was told that he was leading the world hunt when he fell in that well and was killed. He was on a cast. I think the whole cast fell in that well. They, they found him with a helicopter a couple of days later. He was an awesome dog. He was kind of destined to... Tragedy, I, I rescued him one night out of the creek flooded, and uh, I thought he was tree, but he didn't sound right, and I started to him, and I got up in chest-deep water, and he was caught in a steel trap in swimming water. He was a 90-pound dog. I had to get him out of that steel trap <laughs> without drowning. That was an ordeal, but he had several close brushes before he fell in that well. About that time, Mike Allister, who had bought Lipper by then, he called me, he said, you know, he said, I got two the best looking young dogs, eight or nine months old, out of a lipper and McKissick Creek Tabitha. And he said, uh, you need one of these. And I said, okay. He said, uh, I'm going to be out of town. He said, come up here. And he said, they'll be down in my basement. You go down there and pick whichever one you want for three grand. So I went to Mac's house and went down in his basement and there was two pretty walker dogs down there. I don't know how long I sat down there, but it took me a while to figure out which one I wanted, and I took one. That was a Hopkins Cash. I hunted the hair off him. He was an awesome hound, probably one of the most balanced hounds I've had. He was strike, track, and tree, all business, get by himself, stay, foot, tree dog. Had him in a cast one night, and he treed off to himself, and uh, a pack of coyotes came in on him and jumped on him. It, was a, it sounded like a war. Seemed like for a long time. I'm sure it didn't last that long. It sounded like 10 cows, but there's probably two or three. I don't know. But it was a fight. Then it got real quiet for just a minute. Cash went back to tree. We went in there and looked at that coon. There wasn't a scratch on him, but he run those coyotes off and went back to tree, and I thought that was pretty cool. So I'd say lawyer, house's lawyer, adios lightning, and Hopkins cash are the ones that I had right after Lipper that were the best ones that I'd seen. And you would say that those are pretty much equally good? They were different. Each one of them had a different personality and a, and a different way of doing it, but every one of them had their strong points, and they were all winners, I'll say that. Did you see a lot of lipper in those dogs, those three? Oh, yeah. They all had that big motor and the big mouth. Yeah, it was a, a lot of lipper. You could see lipper, lipper in them quite easily. It was pretty obvious that they were out of that stock of dogs. We're talking about a big motor and all. Did a lot of dogs back then have that big motor? Like, you know, I mean, it's pretty common now. We breed it into them. But back then in the 80s, early 80s, did they? There were some hard-going dogs. Lipper was an, an oddity as far as that. He just had more motor than Well, I never saw one that had more go in him than he did. There was nothing casual about that dog. He was all fire. What age did y'all quit putting him in hunts and quit hunting him and all? Well, I quit hunting him 
shortly after I won the national championship, he really didn't have anything else to prove, and he was breeding females at least four or five a week, putting bread on my table. I didn't want to take a chance of losing him or getting killed or, or whatever, and so uh, I was hunting lawyer. I didn't hunt liquor much after that, hardly at all. That's when Mac Allister called me and asked me about buying him. I regretted ever selling him, but, you know, I was young and poor, and that sounded like a lot of money. And I had a good dog in the yard there, so I, you know, I wasn't without a dog. So that's when I sold Lipper to Matt. Probably something that I always regret, because he did a lot of breeding and a lot of good things after that. So even though you sold him, you know, you and Lipper are synonymous with each other. You know, I mean, you can't really talk about one without talking about the other. Do you believe that Lipper would be what he is without you? And on the other hand, do you believe that you would be where you are in the coon hunting sport without Lipper? Could you talk about that a little bit? That's a good question, Tyler. I'll say this. I, I put everything I could into making Lipper what he was. I hunted him hard. I did everything I could do to put him, you know, where he was. And he did the rest. You know, he was the type of dog that could do it. But you, you have to give him that opportunity. And I feel like I gave him that opportunity. And, uh, he proved himself there. At the same time, if I hadn't had Lipper, I doubted uh, I may have had something else, but I doubted it would be like it is today where a lot of people know me that I don't know because of Lipper. He made my name a name that a lot of people know, and uh, definitely I made him the same way. But we both worked hard at that, and it paid off. It's still paying off for me. It is a team effort, it really is, and you can tell you promoted him hard. What was that that you were saying about American Cooner one time? Yeah, back there in the 80s, early 90s, maybe uh, even, especially in the in the late 80s, I would take that American Cooner, flip through the pages one at a time, and see how many pages I could turn without seeing his name printed on it. And uh, the average was about three pages. It averaged three pages in that whole book that you could turn and not see his name printed. I thought that was pretty cool. I said, well, I believe he's made it. Tell me what Lipper's generational impact on the Walker breed means to you and what it is that you believe. I don't know that there's another dog that's probably made as much impact on the breed. You know, Lipper sired 5,000, I believe 114 pups. I don't think anybody will ever touch that again. But back in the day, you know, Joe House told me, he said, well, you can't have a stud dog down in Texas. It's too far from all the action. All the action's up here on the other side of the Mississippi. Well, Lipper broke that barrier. I had people coming from everywhere, especially in the states around here. That's why he had so many pups. Everybody wanted one like him. So they'd bring females up there that probably shouldn't have ever been bred. If you're in the breeding stud dog business, you can't tell a man, you know, your dog's not good enough for me to breed to my dog, or you'd be out of the stud dog business pretty quick. So you pretty much got to breed what they bring you. And uh, there was a lot of probably substandard females brought to him just because they wanted one like Lippert expected him to carry the load. That's why his percentages are probably not as high as some of the dogs you look at today. People say, well, Lippert's percentages were low. Well, yeah, if you bred everything that, that he bred, yours would be low too, you know. But, uh, yeah, he broke that barrier of people not coming all the way to Texas to breed because uh, people come all the way from Texas right now to pick up the pup out of these dogs that uh, the semen produced. So, yeah, he, he kind of broke that barrier. You can have a stud dog in Texas. <laughs> yeah, you definitely proved that. I'll tell you, 
the other night, me and my wife, I was telling her about you. She don't know nothing about coon hunting. <laughs> and she was loading the dishwasher. And I said, yeah, I'm going to be interviewing a man that had a dog that had over 5,000 puppies. She stopped what she was doing, looked at me with the most concerned, focused face, and just said, oh, my God, I hope it was a male. <laughs> and I about fell out my chair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's good. <laughs> yeah. So back to the puppies and people breeding subpar females, too. Do you believe another thing that went into that is the fact that it was easier to sell a puppy off of Lipper, maybe? Well, here again, when I was talking to McClanahan this morning, he said, you know, he said back then everybody bring whatever they had to breed Lipper because they knew they could sell the puppies. And that's a fact. You know, if they were out of houses Lipper, you could sell them. I don't care what their bottom sign was. That's absolutely true. Look at all the great dogs that you had out of Lipper. You know, every one of them come out of a great female too, right? Yeah, they did come out of good females. They certainly did. And I'm not saying that you can't ever get a good dog out of a, a subpar female, oh, but... You oh, know. yeah, they may throw one or two, but your chances are a lot more slim. It obviously seems like a lot of stress to own a dog like Lipper as far as studding him out and promoting him. But what are some of the positive things that come with owning a stud? The positive side of it is uh, the gratification, you know, uh, knowing that people want to breed to your dog and, and bring dogs and near and far to, to do so. It takes a lot of time, a lot of time on the phone with people. Uh, even though it's rewarding, it's stressful. I can remember back when I had a leper when he was young, and the phone would just ring constantly. I could never sit down and have dinner with my family or complete a meal or anything else I was doing without that phone ringing. And a lot of it would be people wanting to breed a female. And a lot of it would be old old Joe Blow that, that just wanted to talk about coon dogs and tell me about old Lipper, you know. And, and that's great for a few years, but then after a while, that'll wear on you. It's, it's stressful when you, it's just a constant thing. So there's a lot of reward when you see these dogs. And even today, you know, you see dogs that Lipper's either the grandfather or great-grandfather or the father of, of this semen that's, you know, really making a show. And, he, you know, it, there's a lot of pride there. Yeah, I mean, what other dog was born in 1981 that people still talk about as much as Lipper, you know? Well, that's true. You know, people talk about him like he's still alive, and and I can't think of any others that, that they really is, is talked about in that way. But uh, he was probably the most hated and most loved dog that ever lived. He was controversial. There's people that just hated him, and, and for what reason other than jealousy, I don't know. I've seen people getting a fist fight, you know, over Lipper. He was controversial. A lot of people just hated him, and still do. But there's a, a majority of people that really liked that dog and loved him. You know, I don't see why they would hate the dog. I mean, was that also people that had never hunted with him and just thought that he was a, a stud dog? Most of the well, people that really hated him? It, it The root of it is jealousy. People that, you, that were supposed to have good dogs and take them out in old leopard wear them out well they had to come up with some excuse as to why they got beat and you know and then they tell so and so and and he just take it for fact and it just you know it grew and i never did understand why there was such a controversy about him but there was there was just as many not just as many but there was a lot of people that that hated him and bad mouthed him and uh 
at the same time, there were people that would stand up and fight for him that just loved him. But the same people that would run him down would jump at the chance to get a good lip or pump. <laughs> you know, it's hard to understand. And you still have people call you and talk to you about Lipper to this day, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Heck, I'm calling you talking about Lipper, so what can I say? <laughs> but do you still feel the big divide in Lipper's love and hate now? No, not near as much, but, you know, still out there. But no, not nearly as much. That kind of calmed down, I guess, over time. But, but it uh, definitely was a two sides to it. <laughs> And a lot of, like you say, a lot of the people that wanted a bad mouth had never been in the woods with him. I didn't know if they had or not. Kind of wondering if they had ever seen him actually as a dog or just something that, you know. No, just hearsay. Yeah, just hearsay. So tell me the other studs that you've promoted, how they differed from Lipper. Joe House pretty much got lawyer away from me before I had time to to advertise and promote him, but he promoted him and advertised and bred him a lot. He would have been an awful good stud dog, and what was a good stud dog, he just wasn't mine. Adios Lightning, here again, about the time I got through doing a lot of winning with him, well, Larry wanted him back, so I didn't really ever promote him. I, there was an ad or two came out that Jim Dandy Dog Food did one when we won the ACHA Little World and things like that, but I never promoted him as a stud dog. He, to me, he wasn't really a a good enough looking dog that I wanted to stud him. He was a coon dog deluxe. He wasn't pretty to me. A lot of people said he was, but to me, he wasn't a pretty dog. Now, Hopkins Cash, I did promote him some and bred him several times, but you, you have to stop and think that when I had him, Mac had Lipper. So here I am with a pump out of Lipper competing against Lipper. And a lot of people want to go to the well, you know, after I sold Cash, to Mac, I think he sold him to uh, those guys. I can't think of their names right now, but they run a lot of that on bred him quite a bit. Cash was a real reproducer. He he was a, a sure dog. He was a coon dog, and he was a reproducer. Had that big mouth, beautiful dog. Lippers really was the last dog that I ever promoted to any degree. What do you feel like are the differences in promoting Lipper versus someone who's promoting a stud in today's time? Do you have any ideas on that? Well, before Joe House died, he told me one time, he said, you know, he said, this this Internet has ruined the stud dog business. He said, back in the day, you know, where you had to get an ad together and you, your dog had to have some accomplishments. And, and when you ran your ads, people would read it and they'd call you to come go hunting with you. And uh, he said it was a different world. He said, now anybody can print up a little ad and put on the Internet or put on Facebook or whatever. And have a stud dog without any real credentials or, or qualifications. So anybody can have a stud dog these days without what you had to go through back in the old days, you know, to promote one. So it's a different world. And there's a lot of dogs that, uh, you know, that have credentials. That's the main thing I'd say you'd have to go on today is what's this dog done? But in a day and time when dogs nowadays can win with minus points, you know, with the leaves on the tree, they look pretty good. <laughs> You know, it's hard to tell what you got there just by looking at the Internet. So I'd say it, stud dog business is nothing like it was when I was in it. Yeah, and to your point, as far as it being so much easier to, in today's time to promote a dog from the outside looking in, that might be another reason that so many people did breed the Lipper was because you worked so hard to promote him. 
you know, and did all these things that got his name out there so much. There will never be another dog. I'm not never, but I mean, I don't feel like there will ever be another dog that will even be close to as many puppies as Lipper has. I mean, do you feel no. like there will be? No, not ever. Uh-uh. I don't. I mean, I could be wrong, but I, I don't see it. Not not in today's world. So what tips would you give to someone that's thinking about promoting a, a hound as a stud? Well, of course, first of all, just have the right dog. <laughs> Uh, if you've got a sure enough dog that can really get it done and do it in style and, and uh, put him out there in those hunts. And the people that are breeding dogs are the ones that get out there and win all that money and uh, do it consistently, have a winning record. You know, that that's what it takes. you got to have a winning record. Lipper was the youngest dog that ever made dual grand champion at the time. He had that record. He was young, and he was winning everything. Like I say, it's a little bit different world now, but if you're going to promote a stud dog, you got to give him some credentials prove that he can do it for you a kid growing up in east texas you know you flip through the magazines and everything and you saw this all these names like timothy ball and everybody and then you know fast forward a few years and you're right there with them you're a household name what did that mean to you to be involved with them you know growing up reading about them and looking up to them i guess you'd even say oh yeah i'll say this you know when i was a kid i guess one of the things that i picked up he might not have told me this, but one of the things that I picked up from my dad was it was important to have the best coon dog around, you know, a jam-up coon dog. That was important to him. And so in the back of my mind, I guess it instilled in me that that was important to have the best dog around. And so I kind of made that a, a goal. You know, everybody wants their dad to be proud of them. And uh, that was a goal. I wanted to show him, man, I can do that. And old Lipper pretty much did. Now, did your dad, did he like hunting with Lipper? Dad never went hunting with Lipper. When I got Lipper, he was done with coon hunting. He became a, a big bird hunter. He was an awesome bird hunter and dog trainer. But he, he had quit coon hunting by then. You know, you and Joe House were partners, you know, and we've already talked about how it came to be. Obviously, he's a, I mean, a famous dog breeder. Could you tell me about him? Uh, Joe was a character, I'll say that. It was his way or no way, pretty much. Uh, he was always right. He was kind of a, a short-statured man, but he was, he was a, a bold guy. You know, he was, he strutted around. He, uh, he was comical, but, uh, he was, I guess you could say overbearing, if you could say overbearing. Uh, he wanted to always be right, and he always had the right answer. He was quite a character, I'll say that, real colorful. I've seen some some things happen that maybe I ought not to mention. <laughs> but I like the time he had got into a, a fight in the middle of the hotel there in Arkansas. One, some big, I think it was the HHA World Hunt, and they got crossways about something and balled up and fought like two cats. Thought we were going to get kicked out of the hotel, but he was a rounder. Joe was a, he was quite a character. Did you ever hunt with any of Lipper's litter mates or know of any of them? No, I didn't. I have vaguely heard of, of one or something, but I, I really don't know anything about them. I will say that I did buy a litter mate to Lipper, called him Joe. And he would run in tree, but he I could tell right away he wasn't going to be anything like Lipper. I can't remember. I let somebody else have him for not too much, but he, he didn't show me anything like what Lipper did. So, Mr. Tom, I do thank you so much for your time and 
I appreciate you coming on here. You don't know how much it means to me for you to be on here. And I know, you know, you were talking about how Joe House would strut around and everything. And when I was researching about you and I was talking to people that knew you and they said, well, you know, Tom, he wasn't ever really a flashy guy at all, you know, even considering what he had as far as the dogs and all. And I say so kind of a, you know, humble man, you know, even considering he did have a dog that had 5,000 puppies, but, uh, man, it has really been fun. And, I have enjoyed talking to you, not even just during this interview, even before this. I really have, and it is, it means a lot to me for you to come on here and for you to be a part of this. And I know that the people that are listening to this are just going to eat it up. You told us some stuff that we've never heard before, or it's never been recorded <laughs> as far as that. But, man, I do thank you, and thank you for your time. Anything you'd like to I, add before we log off? I'd just like to say it's been a pleasure talking with you, and uh I don't know how this is going to sound to everyone, but I, I really enjoy just remembering some of these things. And there's probably a lot more things that I'll think about after we get through here. But uh, I've truly enjoyed it. And it, it's good to put this history down so that maybe my kids can go back and listen to it. So uh, thank you so much for having me on, and I've enjoyed it. Yes, sir. Well, you take care now. That was an awesome interview with Mr. Tom Hopkins, and I do thank him for his time again. I cannot thank him enough. I really appreciate him coming on here and doing that, and I know the listeners really enjoyed him coming on here and doing that. If you liked what we did, go on Facebook, give us a like, at Coon Hunting You, and also go to Apple Podcasts. Give us a rating and a review. It really helps us out. And until next time, y'all have a wonderful day.